Welcome to the Daily Texan Backbeat. I'm Chris Duncan. And I'm Sean Cronin. Welcome back. A new semester means another semester of Backbeat. Sean, you excited? I'm absolutely excited. This week, we have a lot in the news. We're going to be covering some slightly old news here because I figured it's a little important to talk about. Of course, the annual Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees were announced. Yeah, because there's nothing really else to catch up on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're going to talk a little bit bit about Chief Keef, one of my personal favorite rappers out there. I've seen the posters in your room. Yes, and uh, the Gorilla's new single, we'll give that a quick review. And then later we're going to be touching on uh, the new Migos album Culture uh, for our album review, and then our big topic for today is, especially I joked about the, the news earlier, but like how is music going to be affected by the new political situation in the most powerful country in the world? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're a, we're a culture tastemaker for the rest of the world, too. Just like so. Migos. Yeah. We make the culture. Yeah. Let's not pretend there's not going to be any impact. So welcome back to The Backbeat. So our first new segment up for today is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions. Yep. Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Cleveland, Ohio, beautiful city. I was actually there over winter break. Oh, yeah, you went? I went there, oh, man, a few years back. Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has had its fair share of controversy in the past, to say the least, usually accused of inducting old white men and, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year, there is a little bit of diversity in the group. Uh, there will be six artists inducted, artists, uh, you know, including bands, of course. Uh, there is ELO, Electric Light Orchestra, for those of you who might not be from the 70s. We also have, yes, uh, Tupac is in there, uh, the only rapper on the list. Journey, everybody's favorite uh, middle school dance band. Uh, we have Pearl Jam and, of course, Joan Baez. Yeah, and all the all the artists that Chris just mentioned are in the performer category. There are some other categories as well, Correct. but the one that always gets broadcast is the performer category, mm-hmm. the, the acts that everyone's going to know. And I think that ties into how I feel about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions, because as an institution itself, I think it's awesome. I loved visiting it, visiting it and it had a really cool Beatles exhibit at the time I went. But I feel like... If you really drew the lines from each of these artists, you would get a definite reason why they were chosen. Yeah, the the issue in the past with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has always been that it... I mean, the people who select these artists aren't necessarily... Uh, I don't want to say unbiased, but they, they often have ties to the record industry itself. It's not, it's not like writers picking these people. It's not... You know, it's not artists doing it themselves. It's it's usually people who work for record labels and probably could benefit from these guys being inducted. True, true. And there's other acts like Nile Rodgers. He's going to be the recipient of a more specific award. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, Award for Musical Excellence. And you can denote his recent success with uh, his collaboration that he did with um, Daft Punk. You know, that was yeah. commercially very successful, and it really put him on the map. Because yeah. when was the last time you listened to another Parliament Funkadelic song or, yeah. that but- was, or a chic song that wasn't chic? You know? Exactly, like, exactly. And it's, it. I mean, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame gets a lot of flack. The ceremony itself is fine. I they just kind of have the artists come up, accept the awards, they perform a little. Uh and you know, obviously there have been incidents in the past where uh, you know, artists have boycotted the induction. I think this year there's a bit of controversy concerning Pearl Jam. Uh what one of their drummers, uh Dave oh, fuck. Not Dave Kroll. <laughs> Davey Wavy. Was it Dave Abruzzi? I always pronounce his name. 
Abruzzi. Easy now. Abru Abruzzes. Abruz. Can I have that cool ass painting? Yes. <laughs> For ten dollars. I'll take it. I can't believe they just let us in the archive room like this. Yeah. Is that yeah, not sh Zessi. surprise anyone? Abruzzesi? From 83? Damn, like, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> You should take that yeah. picture, Dalton. Go get it right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Dave Abruzzesi. <laughs> True, though. Amen. Uh, what did I leave off on? I'll just start it off again. Oh, yeah. I'll just say, like, there's been a... Controversy with Pearl Jam. Yeah. There has been a bit of controversy with, with Pearl Jam in the lineup. Uh, you know, uh, obviously, all the current band members are being inducted, but their drummer... Dave Abruzzesi, who did or didn't do work on their original album, 10, he did do all of the touring for that album and then also worked on Versus and Vitology. He's not being included in the group. And I know for a lot of Pearl Jam fans that those are their favorite albums. Those are what they think defines the group. So there's there's some controversy there. I don't. I think so far everybody who's being inducted is showing up. So that's kind of new. Well, moving on to Chief Keefe and his recent arrest for supposedly assaulting and robbing a producer of his. Um, Chris, what do you what do you think about this whole situation since you have a high emotional stake in this story? <laughs> yeah, Chief Keefe is featured on one of my favorite hip-hop songs of, of recent day, Lil Dicky's Save That Money. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, that's a classic. It is. It is. The music video is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I would suggest everybody mm -hmm. go watch it. But nonetheless... Uh, you know, right now, obviously, there's a lot of legal proceedings that need to happen in this. But uh, Chief was Chief Keefe. I don't know if he prefers Chief, but uh, he was taken into custody. Uh, and, I mean, nothing's really happened with it. Uh, I don't know if it happened or not, but if it did, that's certainly not good for Chief Keefe. Uh, he has a, a, a history of not exactly boating well with the law so right and to inform our listeners about the supposed situation as it stands right now on the record uh apparently he and several other people were armed and just broke into this guy's house and took whatever they wanted from him it sounds like um as one would if you were robbed at gunpoint <laughs> so we'll see how this develops um I'm, i don't i wonder though why this gang banging thing still remains so prevalent among rap culture especially like that the, i don't know the upper category of rappers yeah you, you know? think you think somebody like chief keith probably pretty well off you absolutely know, I, i'm sure not like massively he's not raking in seinfeld money but you know the guy is doing okay for himself yeah and and it doesn't take many more resources than what you started from to just turn around from that kind of lifestyle so i wonder what the pull is um, mm -hmm. I'm sure there's some exactly. psychological I mean, reason for that. He could afford the $500,000 bail, so he, he must have True. something. True, yeah. But what's worth it, you know? Exactly. Oh, well. Well, what did you think about the Gorillaz' new single? Okay, so for context, uh, the Gorillaz have been kind of, well, the Gorillaz, if you don't know, it's one person. It's Damon Albarn from uh, the the from Blur. A lot of people know him and love him. But he started this side project, Gorillaz, 
they do make a lot of great music and they've been out of the scene for a while uh, and now they're really ramping it up doing a lot of social media stuff with their the digital characters in the band uh, a lot of that stuff it's really cool to look at so if you get a chance check out the twitter but uh recently the gorillas returned with a new single which might be on an upcoming album for all we know uh featuring benjamin clementine uh, called hallelujah money and it's it's an interesting song uh, for those of you who don't know benjamin clementine actually won the mercury prize but on on this song he's not really singing he's doing this kind of spooky spoken word thing yeah it's 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 so uncomfortable that it's gripping uh, his <laughs> delivery. You know, yeah. I say that with with all the seriousness in the world, though, because he he enunciates words strangely, and it's but it, it's interesting. You can't explain it. You just need to watch the the performance itself, and then the imagery projected on on the back behind him uh, is also very provocative. I know there's some people. It looks like it's a clan meeting, but it's really not. There's some kind of uh, it's uh the lock. Candelaria Brotherhood? Yeah, yeah, something like that, some fringe thing, which, you know, in my mind brings the the really relevant topic of false equivalency and all that other stuff that mm-hmm. is in the news right now. Um, yeah, it's 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 not a song that I... A lot of the old Gorillaz music, uh, you know, I could put it on and kind of just, like, sit there and jam out. Uh, this, this is not... No, this takes this some active listening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can babble on about it forever, but... Uh, it's not like their traditional jams, real funky. Mm. I, it, the chorus is nice for me. It's it's kind of like the a throwback chorus to something like, uh, you know, November November has come, or you know, maybe even you could argue Feel Good Inc. But I, it's it's a strange strange song. I don't think it was created to be listened to. Uh, you know, like over and over and over again, to be yeah, honest. I think the visual component is really... The video key. is really crucial. It already has 5 million views on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's, it is it is quite polarizing the, amongst fans so far. So, of course, uh, we have our producer, Dalton, that works on the podcast. And as many of you know, throughout the entire show, we talk about how Sean... Sean has a different perspective from me. I just kind of listen to music. Sean you know, does music for a living or will. Uh, he does music production, all that yeah, fun stuff. Asterisk and, on that, but yes. Yes. <laughs> Sean, <laughs> Sean, Sean, you know, has been talking about making some music for the podcast for a while now. And so he has something in the works for the intro music and a lot of the transition stuff here. Yeah, absolutely. So next week I'm going to be debuting the new uh, intro that I've been working on. Um, and also I'm going to be adding a little, a few more stylistic changes to the podcast. So hopefully all of you that are listening can appreciate those new subtle differences and um so for the last time enjoy the transition into (laughs) our album review as it is today because it's going to be different from this point forward and without further ado chris what is our album for this week this week we have from more please uh migos with culture now, you might be saying, well, you two are music snobs. Why are you reviewing a band that traditionally does singles all the time and just banks on singles? And I would also be asking that question. Well, that's, that is a good question, Sean. I was actually really intrigued by the premise of this album. It, yeah. It's very occasionally, I, mean, I don't want to make this statement, but generally rappers, a lot of rappers aim for the singles. Um, 
especially the the more trap rappers or the, you know the pop rappers that go for style things like that uh and migos has traditionally been one of those bands but migos re- just released the biggest single of their careers bad and bougie recently uh you know a super spectacular song so i i was actually kind of looking forward to this album if i you know, it, it's strange to say, but I was. True, and it, it's made some huge waves in the hip-hop community. I'm not going to downplay its actual significance. Uh, I know it got a retweet from Kanye. Diddy's been talking about it. I mean, yeah. it it's a big deal. DJ Khaled, for yeah. whatever, however you feel about him, he's huge right now. He still gets thousands and thousands still? of people everywhere he goes. Absolutely. Wow, really? Yeah, sometimes I try thinking about life from his perspective. I mean, he's and a good how- producer, but like... Dang. I don't know. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that he's he's the name. He's the brand builder. He has nothing to do with how he True. sounds on that sample. True. DJ and it, Khaled, yeah. like that. He has he didn't touch that except for when he talked it. Yeah, exactly. It, and it he's actually English. on the first song of the Migos album titled "Culture." Uh, the song being titled "Culture." The album's also titled "Culture." But uh, and Sean, you have quite a polarizing opinion on this one. I guess we might say. Yeah, you know, I love me some ratchet hip-hop. Yeah, it's fun when it's fun. It's fun when it's fun, but it crosses this line. And Well, the big single from this is Bad and Bougie. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to be listening to that here in a second. But, um, I, you know, if Bad and Bougie was a, was a single that they released under this guise and maybe it had some kind of culture tie-in too, I would be down with that. But I just feel like it gets lost in the rest of it. Yeah. Culture Culture is kind of an example of one of those songs. On, there, there are a few songs on this album you just kind of wish you didn't listen to. Yeah, I know it's aggressive it. to say that, but it's a pretty bad song. And it's, you know, they make these albums so they can go on and tour with them, which is great. But uh, this this is just a throwaway song to me. Absolutely. Okay, upon further review, Chris and I have decided to skip listening to the first song on the album, Culture, um, by Vito, and we will be moving to the second song we wanted to review today, Bad and Bougie, so give it a listen. Raindrop, drop top, drop top, smoking on cooking the hot box, fucking on your bitch, yeah, dot, 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 cooking up dope in the crock pot, pot, we came from nothing to something, nigga, I don't try nobody to grit the trick, nobody, call up the gang and they come and get you, cry me a river, give you a tissue, this is bad and bullshit, bad, cooking up dope with the oozing, my niggas are savage, ruthless, we got thudders and hundred rounds too, my bitch is bad and bullshit, bad, cooking up dope with the oozing, my niggas are savage, ruthless, we got thudders and hundred rounds too, we took a quick listen to the song just to remind with ourselves. y'all we're 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 right with you right <laughs> now. <laughs> um yeah so this is the big single definitely the one you're going to be hearing at parties for the rest of the year for sure yeah regrettably it, it, yeah it's a big song uh but i mean i guess there's a little bit of content to it i said in my review uh that it it, it truthfully it does make a good interesting statement about a little bit about culture and you know what happens when uh, the lower classes might get money, uh, they might earn wealth. But beyond Your that, I am not giving Migos. I'm not giving Migos any credit on this one <laughs> for depth. I'd rather give them credit for hype. Yeah, yeah, they did a great job, and they definitely knew how to play this up within the hip hop community because everyone was talking about mm-hmm. it when it dropped. And yeah. it was same thing with like the Meek Mill album in 2016 too. He had a really big hype on it, but didn't deliver in the same way Lemonade did. You know, it's like side by side comparison, terrible. But yeah, for this one, um, I feel like it's representing how that style, that trap style, is. It's like watching, reading about the fall of the Roman Empire. 
Uh, it's like it's reading just, the Bible. It lays everything out. I know. Out. It's like watching the biblical story play out. You're yeah. exactly right because they're basically making that genre fail right now with its lack of quality. Mm-hmm. Every every rapper is going to try to do that for the next six months. Yeah, because you know it, it. it was hype and it's got five million views in the first two days or whatever. Um, so well, people are going to be striving towards that. Million. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking like, but like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. And you know, my but favorite like, like, part yeah, of the yeah. track, the best part in the entire album, Lil Uzi Vert. I just love saying his name. Yeah, it is a fun name. Uh, and I, I gonna pull up a quick quote here. Probably the best thing I've ever seen written about this man uh, was by YouTube user OS1540. I do not know who this person is. But they said, Lil Uzi is what you get when you let your five-year-old cousin create a custom character on GTA. <laughs> yeah, that's about that's it. That's pretty much it. Yeah, no, that explains it extremely well. Um, He's the, I can't wait to watch rapper. him on VH1. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And we're going to listen to a, a final track here. It's titled Brown Paper Bag. They already know it's a fag. Go to the show with a guy. Brown, brown, paper, paper, bags, bags. Cash. Smashing your hoe on the low and she calling me dash. Prepping the bitch when she fucking you going outside. Brown paper bag. <laughs> Is that all you have to say? That's about all I have to say, Chris. Yeah. I, you well, that's, know, that's, all ab- um, that's about all Migos has to say about that topic. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I personally, as a songwriter, would have explored the different possibilities of what was in the brown paper bag. But he gave it away, like right there. He, the first words are pussy. And then yeah. he Which says, was like, is that what's in the bag? Yeah. But it's not. No. He just says brown paper bag and then it says cash. <laughs> I better stop myself or I'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was expecting maybe like he has a some alcohol in the bag. Yeah. Maybe he's talking about his troubles. Maybe in he's life. day drinking or something, you know? Nope. Just cash. Drug nope. deals. Yeah. Mm mm. I guess this kind of wraps up our review here. It's obvious that both of us don't really like Migos or trap music, for that matter. We did this for y'all. Um, it's probably less entertaining to hear us <laughs> talk about um, what we love because um, <laughs> we get very impassioned and go on rants. But this was um, a comic opportunity for us as well. Yeah, and you know, I there's people out here, out there. I shouldn't say not not. In this room, they're here with us in spirit, so <laughs> that's that's what he meant. But uh, th- there are people out there who really appreciate this music, and uh, they they appreciate it as hype music. And the truth is, nobody's really listening to the lyrics. Yeah, on these songs, exactly. And that's kind of what I have to make myself understand every time I transition from this to like more serious listening. Mm-hmm. And even the term "serious listening" can put you in a difficult spot because what are you listening for? You know? Yeah. Um, whatever makes people happy is what they're going to listen to, and this makes a lot of people happy. Apparently, they think. I don't know, but that's <laughs> their perception of reality at this moment. Yep. Anyway, we're going to roll right into our topic for today, which is a little bit about uh, music in the Trump presidency. That sounds very stupid of me to say, I feel, but, uh, you know, it. Donald Trump is now president, uh, and there has been... I guess an uptick in political music that's come out. During his campaign, there was that, uh, you know, the the hundred hundred songs not to get Trump elected. Or it wasn't called that, but like the hundred songs, a hundred days, something crazy like that. Yeah, I remember we covered that. Yeah, and then I mean, there the Father John Misty's coming out with a new album, which is supposedly very political. Run the Jewels' new album was quite political. You know, a lot of these bigger acts are coming out with statements and kind of speaking their minds. Um, 
This doesn't necessarily mean music's going to get better, though. Sean? I don't necessarily think that it's going to make music better in the same way that all these news organizations that are striving for clarity on these issues are being fought by the administration. Um, you know, the whole fake news thing. Uh, to catch you up, that's that's the administration trying to delegitimize CNN, which is a generally considered a reputable news organization. So I wonder... Didn't they or I, the New York Times fake news recently? Exactly, and, and it's continued along yeah. that trend of reputable news organizations being attacked. And I hope, I fear, that the more involved musicians get, um, the more polarized their audiences will be. And if we can take anything from the election and just encountering people in the street, it's that a very large population is having a hard time understanding mm-hmm. fact from fiction. So I worry that because we're this is so fresh, like it's only been a week or two, if someone releases a really polarizing political track and they're not Run the Jewels, maybe they're Taylor Swift or something, Oh that gosh. could be pretty damaging Taylor to their Swift fan base. Political? Oh, that would be, but you oh, know, my. that's going to be expected of them. People are going to ask, "What do you believe? What do you care about?" True. Yeah, and I mean, it happened <clears throat> when George Bush became president. There was a bit of a uh, larger musical, you know, political presence in music. Generally speaking, musicians are liberal. Uh, it's especially the very popular ones. It's hard to find one that isn't. To be honest, it's because we lack science. <laughs> but um. There's a lot of people talking about punk music and about how punk is going to come back because of this. And actually, this is the main reason I want to do this segment, just to tell everybody that, no, it is not. That's a horrible idea. Potentially the spirit of punk. I think I know what people mean when they say that, other people to varying degrees. But I think people realize that there's going to be some form of protest music Mm -hmm. or some genre that takes on that role. See, the thing with punk is that back in the day when you know punk started up in you know the, the the late 70s it's because rock was the popular genre and so punk was kind of like an accentuation of you know all the thrashy and aggressive elements of rock music uh and i mean if we're facing what the kind of music that people listen to now hip-hop is one of the most dominant genres meaning that you know likely if any good protest music comes out it's going to be through an alternative form of hip-hop definitely Definitely. I was about to say that hip hop has to be the one. Uh, yeah. Especially because it's the one most tied to the youth. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I use that term. Meh, the youth. The youth, you know, but it's, think about it. You know, the, the older population, the people with jobs and everything, they don't have the time, air quotes, the time to care about all of these things. And as fresh minds come into the world, we see how we could do it differently and we listen to hip-hop and mm-hmm. that's how we're going to speak yeah so point of this segment is that i'm looking forward to the next death grips album because it's going to be super thrashy and probably not political but i want it to be i hope run the jewels <laughs> or or each of them release an album i think they will too yeah i mean they have four years to do it so oh god i hope it's not that long though no. yeah all right. Well, um, next week I promise I'll have some outro music. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Until then, let's just let's just cut it off. Yep. Yeah, that's it for the last one. This is the, the thank dry. you for listening. Shed a tear right now for the old music. Moment of silence, and then goodbye. Okay. This episode of The Daily Texan Backbeat was hosted by Sean Cronin and Chris Duncan and produced by Dalton Cheatham. Tune in next week on iTunes or SoundCloud.